welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. It's a privilege to be sharing with you this morning. My name's David, by the way, in case I've not met you. Um, Love to meet you uh, later on. Um, But we are going to be spending a bit of time over the next couple of weeks thinking through the passages that are in the lectionary, the readings that churches across the world are reading on this particular Sunday um, as we've come out of Advent and Christmas and through Epiphany. um, And and now we're we're thinking these next two Sundays about these lectionary readings. And today I want to talk to you about hope. Um, we we want to we think uh, a couple of passages, so I'd love you to grab your Bible, if you have one, or take out your phone, whichever you prefer, or you have with you, um, and we're going to read from that in just a moment, a couple of passages, again, that other churches across the world are reading today, but before we do that, let's, let's pray together as we come around God's Word. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you, um, we recognize that you're already present to us. And we ask that you would speak to each one of us through these ancient words that you are breathing through and making alive to us today. We thank you for your kindness towards us and we ask expectantly that we would hear from you because you're so kind that you meet us where we are. Would we continue to hear from you as we've already been and help us to become more like Jesus? Amen. Amen. Our first reading today is from the book of Isaiah uh, and chapter 9. And we're going to start from from verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for those...
thought over the, about, about the past few decades about whether we live uh, with hope or whether we live in hopeless times. On one hand, we have more to be hopeful about than ever before. Uh, the, 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 listen to this, what, what the historian Yuval Harari says in his book Homo Deus, uh, A Brief History of Tomorrow. He says, most people rarely think about it, but in the last few decades we've managed to rein in famine, plague and war. Of course, these problems have not been completely solved, but they have been transformed from incomprehensible and uncontrollable forces of nature into manageable challenges. We often don't need to pray to any god or saint to rescue us from them. We know quite well what needs to be done in order to prevent famine, plague, and war, and we usually succeed in doing it. There's been great progress, and yet at the same time, many would believe that we have more to be hopeless about than ever. There's significant concern, particularly for future generations. Polarized society, a loss of trust in authority, and a loss of willingness to work together for the common good in many places. Technology, as well as being a, a huge force for good, can have negative uh, impact on our decisions, on our day-to-day -day lives, on our mental well-being. And as psychologists and political writers alike point out, for many, there's a loss of meaning despite all this progress, a loss of deep happiness. The past few years, of course, in themselves have been so difficult in so many ways and at the same time have given rise to so many new opportunities. Uh, for many of us, I don't know if you can relate to this, it feels like we've just come out of, we, we've just come out of lockdowns, the height of a pandemic, we began to take a deep breath and then a fly flew straight into our mouth. Cost of living crisis, wars on our doorstep. The list continues beyond just that. What was certain a few years ago, or even a few months ago, is now insecure, uncertain, politically, economically, in work or direction of life, perhaps in health. And the question amidst all that remains, where is our hope? Our answer to that question, I think, affects pretty much everything else we believe and say and do, how we go about our lives. Really, we're asking, what do we put our trust in? When everything around seems to fail, when everything is unreliable, when we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, never mind in five years' time, what do we put our full weight on? Who are we relying on? Now, if we turn back a page from that passage in Isaiah chapter 9, the passage, Isaiah 9, which begins with, but, your Bible might say, nevertheless, the NIV likes to be a bit fancy sometimes, but what's going on in this passage beforehand to warrant that word? The end of Isaiah 8 tells us something which I don't think I'm alone in thinking, that God can sometimes seem silent, that we can be waiting for God to act or to intervene. We read in Isaiah 8, 17, the Lord is hiding his face. Now Isaiah after this, vows to wait for the Lord, to continue to put his trust in him, but he also, also issues a pretty stern warning that for those people around him who he sees looking to other people, looking to other things to provide answers, some dark places as well, those people, Isaiah prophesies in verse 21 of chapter eight, they will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry 
When they're hungry, they will be enraged and will curse their king and their gods. They'll turn their faces upwards or they will look to the earth, but they will see only distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And yet, but nevertheless, we get to chapter nine. God in his mercy and his kindness comes to those very people walking in darkness. It's on them the light shines. There'll be no more gloom for those who were in anguish. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shined. One of uh, the favorite authors in our house is Julia Donaldson, who's written a great number of children's books um, that have now been turned into animations and all sorts. Um, And one of the the books we like to read is called The Highway Rat. The Highway Rat was a baddie. The Highway Rat was a beast. He took what he wanted. He ate what he took. His life was one long feast. So the story goes. You can tell I've read it once or twice before. Um, But the story continues, sorry for the spoiler, as the Highway Rat continues to take from people he meets on this highway until one day he's tricked into going into a cave. Tricked by his own greed for tastier and sweeter chocolates. Um, He goes into this cave in search of something more. And eventually, um, as you might expect, he realizes that he's been driven by by greed. He has a life-changing moment, this little rat, um, when he realizes that he just wants to get to the other side of the cave. He wants to find a way out. Um, there's There's no chocolates and sweets in that cave. And eventually he sees a little light that he follows until he's through the other side of the mountain and out the cave. And he lives a life of honesty and only the occasional piece of cake after that. But the thing about light is, when it's nearby, it can't be overcome by the darkness. The further the light is away, the harder it is to make out. The harder it is for that light to illuminate what's round about us. The nearer the light is, the brighter it becomes. And the less daunting the darkness appears. In a week especially where hope has seemed far away, not least for people within the church. I'm all too aware of the complexity of this, of even saying this out loud, that our hope uh, is not and cannot be in clever answers, in niceties, in things which sound good on greeting cards, but actually don't even get to the heart of the issue that's going on within us, the darkness that we feel around us, perhaps. Now, as we've also read from Matthew's gospel, Jesus himself fulfills this prophecy we've been reading about. If you've not gathered that, he is the light in the darkness. He himself is the one who brings joy, who releases the oppressed. And he announces that his kingdom, his light, his life is near. It's not far off beyond the clouds. It's not one day his kingdom will be here, but his kingdom is near. The time has come, Jesus says. His kingdom is being built on earth. It won't fully be built and realized until he returns, but there are signs of life, of renewal, of healing and of hope all around us. If you're anything like me, you like to have things in neat compartments. But what might it look like if we accepted these two seemingly contradictory ideas, the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God? that it has come and it is not fully come yet. How might we hold on to hope and embrace the opportunity for renewed faith, even as we wrestle with our questions 
and our doubts, continuing to choose to worship God in and through that. Not in spite of it, but bringing all we have to the, to the light of the world. You might recall that last year we journeyed through the book of Revelation and during that time Stephen reminded us of uh, our hope as followers of Jesus, that it's not just in one day everything will be made right, it's not just in life after death, it is that, but it's also now, it's here and now. It's about Jesus' resurrection being a declaration that the kingdom of God is breaking in among us here in Glasgow. He is working and redeeming all he is working and redeeming all things, healing all of creation, including ourselves. Those of us who are Christians, followers of Christ, little Christs, as that word can mean, those of us seeking to follow Jesus, our ultimate hope is not in a circumstance or a situation or even an outcome, but it is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our hope. This is not just our person. This is the only true person, the only perfect person, the only person who'll never let us down. Jesus Christ is our hope. I'm not telling you anything new when I say that life can be hard. People and circumstances will disappoint you, let you down. And at the same time, these two seemingly opposing ideas, at the same time, Jesus really is alive and he promises to never leave you. You see, God doesn't avoid the darkness. He doesn't skirt around it like a dodgy area of town late at night. He steps right into the midst of the darkness of our circumstance and of our own hearts to bring a light which can never be overcome. Jesus himself said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to appeal to the righteous, but to sinners. He comes to those very people who have turned their back on him, who have chosen darkness. He comes to bring their light. We have a choice. We have a choice to look around at the darkness, to allow it to overwhelm us, or to fix our eyes on the light, to fix our eyes on Jesus. And if you're walking through some kind of darkness just now, whether that's because of choices that you've made or because of circumstances that you didn't choose, my encouragement to you is to fix your eyes on the light of the world, on the only one who can lead you out of darkness. We don't know when, we don't know how, but we know that he is trustworthy and that his light is true. Fix your eyes on the one who will never let you down, the light which can't be overcome, and the one who promises never to leave you. Draw near to me, says the Lord, and I will draw near to you. Because when we look at Jesus, we look away from something else. When we fix our gaze on him, we look away from the darkness, not ignoring it, not pretending it's not there, but discovering who he is in the midst of our uncertainty, in the midst of our circumstance, and the midst of the darkness. Looking at Jesus doesn't take the problems away. We don't come to him today as a church community or come to him in prayer, come to him whenever we come to him to escape the world. We don't come without our full being. We don't come without the reality of our experience, but rather we bring all of that into his presence. 
And we lay at his feet and allow him to meet us there in his kindness and his gentleness and his resurrection power. We look to Jesus through a daily decision to surrender to him, to say to the Lord, your ways are higher than my ways. I place my hope in you, even though I don't understand what's going on, even though I can't really see the way ahead. We come to God not to escape our reality, not to pretend everything was okay, but to bring the full weight of our reality to the only one who can bring true healing and full redemption, to the one who is our hope. The Bible comforts and reminds those of us who've come to trust in Jesus not to despair as if there is no hope. We read in in 1 Peter chapter 1, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so your faith and hope are in God. It's through his mercy. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The pastor and author Tim Keller has written a really helpful book called uh, Hope in Times of Fear. And in it, he writes of the power and significance of the resurrection of Jesus. He says this, the resurrection is not a stupendous magic trick but an invasion. And the event that saved us, the movement from cross to resurrection, now remakes the lives of Christians from the inside out by the power of the Spirit. The cross and the resurrection together, and only together, bring the future new creation, the omnipotent power through which God renews and heals the entire world into our present. The incomparably great power with which God raised Jesus from the dead is in us now. So we are to live in the light of the future new creation. That is, we are to to participate in that future resurrection life in the way we live now. If Jesus was raised from the dead, it changes everything. How we conduct relationships, our attitude towards health, wealth and power, how we work in our vocations, our understanding and practice of sexuality, racial relations and justice. This hope in a person, this hope in Jesus, in a world lacking hope often. It shows others around us that it is possible to have a hope, that it's possible to hope in the person of Jesus. Because the one in whom we hope is not distant, but rather within, stepped into the hopelessness and the darkness of this world and in our own hearts. The birth, the life, the teaching, the death and resurrection and one day return of Jesus All of this is a definitive statement that he is with us. That he is for his creation and one will one day fully redeem it. Remember Jesus' last words on earth, the words he left ringing in those first followers' ears. Surely I will be with you always. So do I believe deep down that God is good, that he's worth putting my trust in, that he really did rise from the dead? Or do I believe that my current situation, whatever it might be, however hard it is, do I believe I'm in this on my own? The promise of Almighty God is to never leave you, to never forsake you, to be with you in your darkest hour, your deepest suffering. Jesus says there will be troubles. And whilst there'll be a time that we can't see him, that he has overcome the world. And that he, the light of the world, goes with us into the darkness, darkest times. Jesus is our hope. 
Our hope in Jesus is not dependent on our best efforts. It can't be. Rather, it's dependent on his faithfulness towards us. An, an apple tree doesn't produce apples by trying really hard to produce apples. It's just an apple tree. It needs the right conditions. It needs the right rain and the, and the right soil to grow. But it does what it was created to do because it is what it is. It is just an apple tree. And so we, being created by God, are free to be who we were in him. And he promises to do the rest. He promises to continue to heal us and transform us if we submit to him. As we come to finish and and continue in worship, let me read from one of uh, the late pastor and author Eugene Peterson's books, um, a book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He says this of hope, the Christians waiting and watching, this is hoping, is based on the conviction that God is actively involved in his creation and vigorously at work in redemption. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It is not fatalistic resignation. It means going about our assigned tasks, confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. And hoping is not dreaming. It's not spinning an illusion or fantasy to protect us from our boredom or our pain. It means a confident, alert expectation that God will do what he said he will do. It is imagination put in the harness of faith. It's a willingness to let God do it in his way and in his time. It is the opposite of making plans that we demand that God put into effect, telling him both how and when to do it. That is not hoping in God, but bullying God. Hope, because he's shown himself to be true to his word. Throughout scripture, and throughout the lives of the people around about you here today. To be with us in times of celebration and of utmost mourning and pain and struggle. To always keep his promises. To show mercy and to provide exactly what we need at just the right time. There's still things that I'm hoping for and I'm sure you're hoping for that haven't happened yet or haven't happened in the way I thought they would. People I've been praying for to get better who are still unwell or hurting, or who have things they long to see happen. Situations which just aren't right. I'm sure there's different situations and people that come to mind when we think of that, but we still hold on to hope. Sometimes because it's all we can do. Knowing always that we're able to come in the first place because of Jesus. Knowing that we can bring all that we are and all that we carry and that we're held by his faithfulness to us. He is the basis of our hope. In his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And my prayer is that we, that I may live in the reality each day of the truth of Jesus as our hope. The light has come. Jesus Christ, light of the world, goes before us and walks alongside us. Shall we pray together? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, light of the world, would you reveal yourself to us again today? Thank you for 
these words written down for us in our Bibles. That we can know your promises are true, that we can see your faithfulness to your people throughout all of history. And that we can know that you come to bring light in the darkest of places. Even to those who turn their backs on you, even when all else seems lost, you come and bring light and joy and healing and hope. Would you help us, Lord, each day to seek you, to fix our gaze on you, to restore our hope where it seems fragile and weak. We hold on to the promise later on in Isaiah that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That you, Lord God, say that they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Lord, we need you and we ask you to meet us wherever we are today. In Jesus' name.